Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and it was fun while it lasted, but the Scottish Premiership season is over. That's right, Celtic and Rangers both ran rampant this weekend, so it's back to the old Glasgow status quo. Nah, I'm not having any of it. Hearts are still top. Livingston look unbeatable, and if you think the champions have a monopoly on goal scoring, you haven't seen Hibs. 28 goals in six Premiership games this weekend and outside the top flight we saw the second longest serving manager in Scotland handed his P45. It's adios Archie at Partick Thistle and we'll be focusing on the fallout from Furhill. Alongside me in the studio from the Telegraph it's JJ Bull and European football journalist back again to talk to us about the most exciting league in Europe it's Kieran Canning. Hello boys. Hello. <laughs> I don't think we've talked about Hamden on this podcast enough, but last week there was obviously the decision from the SPFL to stage both Betfred Cup semi-finals at Hamden on the same day. And after the backlash, it's been decided that oh, Hearts will now play Celtic at Murrayfield at 1.30 and Aberdeen will now play Rangers at Hamden at the later time of 4.30. Everyone happy? Celtic aren't happy. <laughs> Cry me a river, Brendan. Only Celtic, well... <laughs> God, at least it's a solution. I mean, obviously we've talked about this before, right? It was a nonsense from the start. <laughs> the police stepped in and lo and behold, suddenly they hadn't been discussed with everyone. And now uh, Rendon Rogers is moaning that Hearts get some sort of advantage by playing at Murrayfield. Yeah. So you have one Edinburgh team involved. Surely if you're going to have one match in Edinburgh, it makes sense to have the team from Edinburgh. So you're not, yeah. you're not sending another support it's out like with their home city. It's half an hour away. Like it's not far. I don't, I don't think. I genuinely don't think it matters. At the end of the day, it's a cup semi-final. Whatever it's played, it's a game, and whoever whoever wins, but yeah, sure. But then the best I, I've always felt it's really unfair that the two Glasgow teams always get to play in Glasgow for cup finals. I find that I guess is um, not a Glasgow team so fan. Do you think the Murrayfield should just have been always the option? You know, is this hmm. a long time coming? It depends. If, like if you can, if you can fill it, the whole, the problem if you use Murrayfield for normal cup semi-finals, yeah, would be you've seen it at Hamden, which is a, a far pure capacity that you don't always fill them. So take it to Murrayfield and have sixty-seven thousand. True. Like, what I, what another thing I don't understand from Celtic statement or Rogers in particular. Rogers said after the initial farce of the two games on the same day, yes, about when he was asked about the state of the pitch. He was saying, oh, that, that if the pitch does deteriorate significantly, it would favour Hearts. So now he has the chance to play on what should be largely unspoiled pitch. Yeah. And mm. that should play well, into Celtic's advantage. And Hearts play nice football as well. He's all, I think, Rendon Rose is up to stuff, right? Another ridiculous thing that's come out of this uh, Hamden bit is that they've, they've not split the tickets down the middle for Rangers and Aberdeen. They've said Aberdeen will get... Um, they won't get tickets to the North Stand, which I'm told is the best one. I don't know. but So they won't split half and half unless Aberdeen sales are strong. It's not put on a gig at Nice and Sleazy's. Like you're not, you, don't have to, you shouldn't have to pay to get in. It should be half and half. Yeah. I don't care if Rangers have more fans than Aberdeen do. I don't care if Aberdeen have more fans than Rangers do. It should be down the middle and anything that's left over can be like neutral or something like that. It cannot be that another team gets an advantage because they have a wider fan base. It's nonsense. And it is, again, favouring... The two teams 
They always get all the things. Oh, <laughs> I'm They've throwing got... my hat in the river. <laughs> Fill it. No, but then on the flip side, can you not say that if you didn't do that, it disadvantages people that do go to support their team every week compared to a load of glory hunters that jump on the bandwagon whether their team gets a semi-final or a final. That's another argument, no. That's, that's for the clubs to manage how they distribute their tickets. So if you have season tickets, sure enough, Rangers have far more than Aberdeen do, so that makes doing it that way. However, it just seems to me if it's a neutral venue for a neutral game, then it should be half and half. I, I agree if they can sell the tickets. Before we get into the weekend's action, Ross County defender Liam Fontaine has released a single and it's called Life Lessons. Life lessons that we all go through Sometimes they just creep up on you And then they become Fair play to him, right? For making this song up and out. He's doing something with his spare time. <laughs> and the boy clearly has some talent. However, it yeah. sounds a lot like the kind of songs I would have heard down at Thainston Mart. I don't know if anyone will remember what that is. You hear it on a Friday night and after it's followed up by Summer of 69. And then various shenanigans happen in the background in the corners of the room. Good on him. Hey, he's trying something different. Um, also, and I didn't and, know he was American. Oh! <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a bit of Nickelback and kind of Oasis sounding in there. Yeah. There's a rap later on, which I quite like as well, um, which normally in these these kind of songs is done by a guest vocalist. No, no, it's Liam Fontaine. Uh, there was something else I thought was funny about it. Oh, yes, is that now every footballer in the Scottish Premiership and the Championship can now know that if they make a song, they're probably going to get a bunch of free promotion out of it and do semi-well. You like to write songs, JJ? I write songs. I feel inspired again. Yeah. I might have something well, for us next week. So he gave you a life lesson. Yeah. Wonderful. Tavernier's cross. Morales with the header. It's saved by Zlamal. But Scott Arfield will pick up the pieces. And the midfielder scores his third goal in five Rangers games. And surely there is no way back now for Hearts. For the first time this season, the league leaders are going to suffer defeat. The most anticipated game of the weekend in Scotland ended up being not much of a contest, really. League leaders' hearts have been so solid defensively this season, but they were torn apart by Steven Gerrard's side at Ibrox. Rangers were 3-0 up inside 32 minutes, and it finished 3-1, despite Michael Smith being sent off for the visitors early in the second half. Gerrard said that the title race has been blown wide open. Uh, nah. It's been open for ages. There's about four teams in it. Exactly. Maybe five. Exactly. Well, apart from the fact that if Rangers had lost, there would have been 11 points behind Hearts, I think. Well, this True, is blown wide open they should a have little been, bit much, isn't it? It, it would have been a big uh, a big gap to, uh, to overturn if it had been 11 points. But now, as it is, yeah. Eight games in, title race. Are we there yet? <laughs> uh, Rangers are much better at home than they are away. Um, Hearts considered their first goal by performing perhaps the worst offside trap we've seen in recent uh, centuries. Mm-hmm. Ike Piazu, our old friend, is caught napping as the rest of the team race forward. If no, one, no one's seen this. It's a free kick from the left that they, you know, one of those ones you cross into the box that no one ever scores from. But they cross it in and Hearts play in a high defensive line and the plan is as soon as the boy starts to run up to kick it, the entire defensive line runs away, thus leaving everyone offside if they don't prepare for it. Ike Piazu... It must have forgotten or something. Oh, it's, it's something they've worked on before. They did something very similar against Livingston, which was effective. 
Um, it worked, yeah, and it worked. But obviously, Piazzo wasn't he paying any. I'm all for innovation in it as well. Like, like Man City in the English Premier League, they um, they've been doing this thing where they start a high line from free kicks, and it, it works. Uh, I don't think. I mean, what analysis he wasn't he wasn't paying attention. I think he was just slow because you see, he does yeah. actually run out, but he's just a bit more. And on the first the rest viewing, of I couldn't tell who was on side. Yeah, I was gonna, he was a bit unfortunate with that as well. That the, the ball happened to fall to the only one of the yeah. five or six Rangers players that that wasn't offside. Craig Levine often gets painted as a bit of a negative manager. Was he a bit ex- too expansive? Ca- on, ca- on Cavalier C- Craig. <laughs> this was the um, the zero six four model <laughs> rather than the four six zero. When you talk about whether we were too cavalier in terms of their setup, a lot of the the problems when you talk about the first goal. Came from a free kick. Yeah, it's an error. Mm-hmm. Third, mistake, the yeah. third goal, the goalkeeper should save it. But he palms yeah. it straight out. So there was basic sort of individual errors rather than necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as we said, McGregor made two very good saves at one 0 which if uh, I think the first one was Naismith and the second one was Ike Piazzo, mm-hmm. and if they go in and it's one one and the momentum's back in Hearts' favour, then you know it could be a very different game. But again, Sitman said this a couple of weeks ago uh, with the Rangers St Johnston game for Rangers to put in that performance off the back of a pretty grueling game on the Thursday night. Because yeah. that was the one thing that I felt gave Hearts a, a really good chance going into yesterday mm-hmm. that Rangers might suffer a bit of a hangover from Thursday night. But yeah, got the job done in the in the first half an hour and the fatigue didn't really come into it because they were playing against 10 men for most of the second half as well. Because they beat Rapid Vienna 3-1. 3-1 at Ibrox during the week, which is a pretty good result for Scottish football. Absolutely, it was a fantastic result. It was a fantastic result, and I think it was probably thoroughly deserved as well. And when you take into account the atmosphere at Ibrox, it looked like it was absolutely rocking again. Yeah. So good for them. I can't uh, figure out um, Morelos whether he's actually very good or not. He's funny. He seems to be Hot kind and of cold. Is he? What's the word? Kind of living by the sword a wee bit. He kind of takes takes chances. I would, sometimes. I, I would believe it if he owned a sword. <laughs> yeah. Like in his house. Possibly. Don't know what for. I don't know. His finish for that, um, he scored one of the goals. He did the same. That was the one from Mitchell when he gave the ball away, wasn't back, it? The back heel into the top corner. Cheek. That's that's exactly what I'm, I'm kind of trying to say is that not many people are going to try that. And if, he, if he'd missed it, with Morelos' season so far, he would have got hounded. But the thing with Morelos, and I don't know if it's just because he's a young striker and you get this with young strikers, they can be inconsistent. Mm. But he does seem to miss an awful lot of what seem like very easy chances. But has still scored eleven goals already this season. Think, he's like, he, always there, thereabout. Yeah, Even on he misses them, but he creates them by being there. Exactly. Thursday, he wasn't playing great the first sort of seventy-five minutes, but he still ended, ultimately was the one that that won them the game by by winning the penalty and then then scoring late on. So mm-hmm. he always puts himself in positions where he can score, and, and that's why you know sometimes when he misses absolute sitters, he gets uh, he gets ridiculed for it. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, so Gerard today. Was talking about um, there's interest from Brighton and in Tavernier, yeah. But it'd be interesting to see if there's more interest in Morelos come January because Bordeaux were interested in him before the uh, August window shut. And, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what sort of price Rangers would be looking at for him because he's got the potential and obviously just signed a new contract so and called up to the Columbia squads. Listen, Hearts need to bounce back. They're at home to Aberdeen in two weeks after the international break. Yeah, they're still top of the league. Yeah, they are, and they're good for it. And um, I don't think they were totally done in by Rangers at all. They scored. Smith was sent off. So playing with 10 men is obviously difficult, and that's in the second half when they then had to try and get back into the game. And to come out with 3-1 after that first half is, I think, pretty decent.
into the path of Hyman, that's blocked, there's Boyle though, hits up the opening goal, Malin strikes in, Gary Woods can't keep it out, there's Hyman, that's a lovely finish, Malin supporting, he's got so much room, time to size up the shots, here's Camberry, five for Hibernian, still Camberry, that sums it up for Ackies. In the first of two 6-0 wins this weekend, Hibs gave Hamilton a beastly beating at Easter Road. Neil Lennon's side are now the top scorers in the Premiership. Stevie Mallon scored a stunner in each half, and if he can keep that up, fans might not be pining for John McGinn after all, lads. I was thinking earlier, right, Stevie Mallon, if he's in the Scotland team, he would be good because most of the time we're defensive and trying to, uh, you know, get a 1-0 win... And you can't really rely on shooting from 20 yards to score goals. But he's pretty good at it. Like he's What you're saying is that he could be our new McFadden. He's basically just on set, set pieces <laughs> yeah. and smashing it in. But that isn't that yards. daft though, right? Because he's done it like most weeks now. He's scored two in that game yep. from both pingers. And I, I know you can't rely on it, but he's not. also he's very good technically with the ball at his feet, just distributing it and especially pinging it out wide. Martin Boyle is Scottish, but now he's Australian. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Scotland missed out on... A right-sided forward there, possibly. Uh, yeah, I was a bit not, not surprised, but yeah, when you think the fact that Australia have been to what four World Cups now, I think in a row. Mm-hmm. He was thinking smart there, actually. Yeah, it's a bit no, but it's, it's a bit you know strange that Australia have come from and he hasn't really even been mentioned in the in the realms of a Scotland call-up. Hamilton looked all out of sorts. Mm, um, again, uh, we talked about this within our team, is that the spacing seemed wrong between the, the lines of midfield and defence especially. And they changed their shape. So they're normally three with a five. Well, it's actually a five and a three and a two up front. But they were playing a four-four-two, which was... They just didn't seem to really know what was going on. The problem for Hamilton for me, and I think last time I was, I was here, I'm kind of bemused by Hamilton. I really don't know what they offer. I mean... Dougie Emery, who they look to so much, fifty-three-year-old um, Dougie Emery. Yeah, oh man, honestly, like he needs to be dragging that team, and even he uh, made a mistake for I think the fourth goal or the fifth goal. It's just a bit disappointing. And then you look at their games that are coming up. They've got after the international break. They've got Rangers at home. They've got Kilmarnock away, Aberdeen away, Livingston at home, uh, St Johnston and Celtic. It's it's horrible. They lost to Dundee. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, I mean, obviously, you don't want to lose six 0 But if they're going to stay up, they are basically relying on Dundee and St Mirren continuing to be terrible. So if they start losing to those teams as they did last weekend, then yeah, it's going to be a, a long, hard season for them. Martin Martin Cannon said um, post match that Hamilton are known for you know being hard working and showing a lot of heart, and there was none of that. There's absolutely none of that. And if they can't show anything soon, I fear. Hibs, right? They're two points off the leaders, which is Hearts, their city rivals, as well you know. Mm-hmm. But do you think, because Neil Lennon has seemed quite happy with them. He said that that result has been coming for a long time now. Are they in the mix? Absolutely. You think so? Yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of, I'm actually genuinely hoping for a... A, a Leicester thing going on in Scotland. Yeah, I still right think now. it's going to fall apart at the end. But they look good now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like I, I agree with that in, t- in terms of the broader title race. But I also wonder with Hibs that they're wonderfully entertaining, but whether Hearts have a bit more steel about them to be able to balance out 
and get more results over the, the course of a season. I mean, I, I, I know Lennon's saying in terms of this has been coming because they've had a lot of games where they've missed a lot of chances and they mm-hmm. could have had a few more uh, results like that. But I still think defensively they're not they're not that strong. I mean, it wasn't exposed at the weekend because Hamilton barely had an attack, but actually Hamilton should have went ahead. Uh, it was Rakish Bingham missed a, a really, really good chance early on. And I just think that the Hibs will give, always give you a chance. It'll be really interesting the next the next league game they go to Celtic Park. Mm-hmm. So it should be 6-6. It should also be noted that Gary Woods is absolutely horse. The goalkeeper. Better than me being a goalkeeper? Sure enough. But he's not stopping really what I think would be an easy thing. I remember when I was <laughs> when we were youngsters in Aberdeenshire growing up, <laughs> we got a branch and called it goalie tree and it stopped some shots. And it honestly <laughs> was about as effective. Without trying to be like really harsh, he just doesn't save things. He catches it but doesn't save anything. <laughs> so what you're basically saying is that... that Get Ham- goalie tree. Hamilton's goalie budget tree, should yeah. extend, extend to putting a tree in goal. And afford goalie tree. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Forrest again. This time it goes through. And that's more like it from Celtic to Forrest. That is brilliant. Forrest could be in here again. Played in by Rogic. It's a hat trick for James Forrest. And the winger's on his way again. It opens up nicely. <laughs> Fantastic four from Forest flooring St Johnston on Sunday. It was a rare occasion this season where Celtic actually looked like Celtic. It was their biggest away win since April 2012 when Celtic won the league at Kilmarnock. The champions put five past St Johnston in the first 45 minutes at McDermott Park, and James Forrest scoring four of them. We're joined now by Jim Buck, aka Barca Jim, on Twitter. Jim, is it fair to say that Forrest has been one of Celtic's best players um, this season? I there's a big section of the Celtic support just don't fancy him. Mm. And every club's had a player like him where a lot of the fans don't like him, but you ask any of the players, would they have him in their team to start? They'd all say absolutely. And I've always liked to be a guy. He's never, he's never cheated us in, in, in any game he's ever played. Even when he's having a shocker, he still looks for the ball. He's still demanding the ball. And it's a cliche that, you know, Fans always say, "Oh, as long as they're given a hundred percent, I'm happy." And 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 he epitomises it for me, you know. Why, why do you think a section of the support aren't, you know, massive Forest fans? I think because of the position he plays in. Wide players are just always a frustration, you know. That I mean, I'm old enough to remember Jimmy Johnson, right? And again, it's the rose tinted specs. With you know, there's probably never been a better winger ever in the history of the game. But I remember my uncles and my dad taking me to the game and saying, right, they knew after five minutes, look, we can just hook Jimmy today because he's just not going to turn up. So I think the position doesn't help him. And and he is just one of those players where when he's making mistakes and he's having a shocker, he's still asking for the ball. And a lot of the time when you do that, you keep on making mistakes. And it's a kind of catch-22 thing, you know. But no, I like him. I always have liked him. One of the things I felt not helped him, or Celtic at all, this season um, is the way Lustig's been playing and can't get up in support, that Forrest is almost having to work doubly hard defensively to try and protect him and then gets doubled up on. Whereas yesterday he seemed a bit more freed up with, with Rogic playing very well and sort of uh, freeing him up to to come inside a bit more than, than always having to be on the outside and having to beat two men every time. I think that's a very valid point because Rogic is a player that, that scares opposition because he can 
you know, they tend to double team him and if because where he plays, they're just always thinking, right, he can pull out something here. And especially when you've got the sort of forwards that Celtic have, you know, we don't really have a back to goal kind of striker. Rogic is the sort of player that can play those little little passes through that Griffiths and uh, French Eddie love. So yeah, he, he probably had a wee bit more freedom than he normally gets and uh I mean, what is a magnificent performance? I mean, doesn't matter what level it is. I mean, to to bag four goals is tremendous. What? what how did Celtic kind of? What was so different about Celtic uh, in this game that that allowed them so much freedom? Um, was it just St Johnston were pretty bad? There's no question there was a there was a bad smell about the place, you know. And I'm sure the Rangers fans will insert their own jokes there. <laughs> um, there there was a bad. The manager's body language didn't look right. His his press conference seemed to be. He was kind of narky, and and I think there has been some kind of clear the air, and I think that's contributed as well, without giving the players a wee bit more confidence in themselves, and and just kind of raised the kind of a, a bit of a feel good factor, if you like, round about the place. Just on that, I mean, I know what you're saying in terms of obviously this this result might lifting spirits a bit, but do you think it was a bit unnecessary for Rogers to say what he did yesterday as well about the having a bit of a bloated squad and there been too many players and he didn't seem to, to talk down the idea that there's a bit of a split because he said there's plenty of players not playing and when players aren't playing they aren't happy. I think I think the reality is, I mean if you if if you keep your ear at the ground and, and you guys will know more than most that I don't think there's any kind of Celtic fan who's got any kind of contacts seriously expects Brendan Rodgers to be in the dugout at, at the beginning of next season. The decision has been made. I mean, a pal of mine who's a journalist was at the press conference after the game and he said, you know, that even Rogers' comments about the village job, although he kind of he kind of did really self out, there was a wee bit of the kind of that look, guys, don't take this the wrong way. If if somebody's got a good job then, you know, I still might might be interested. So I think I do believe that the manager feels, you know, he's done as much as he can, whether Depending on what happens down in down in England, if the, another job comes up or the right kind of job comes up, I wouldn't be surprised to see him leaving. There's one more thing we should talk about in this game. Um, well, St Johnston for a start. <laughs> St Johnston is is oh, what was Danny Swanson thinking? Just well, letting his team down like that? No, but you know what he's trying to do. He's just trying to take him out before he gets anywhere. Uh, I think Tommy Wright's going at half time and says no matter what, we stop Forrest scoring another goal. <laughs> yeah. And he's taking it a bit to heart. <laughs> like, do, do you think that's why Tommy Wright was so kind of stone-faced when Swanson was walking off kind of thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe he went too far. Like, but the way they came out for that game, St. Johnson didn't really turn up and they had a weird set so the defensive line was too deep and the midfielders were too far from them so there was too much space between the lines and, so Celtic were able to run into it all the time. And the defensive line was all over the place so some of them were stepping out some of them were... Yeah, it was a weird would, shape. Yeah. I would possibly put that down to James Forrest's performance though. It's a bit of both. Because I would, I would say in the first 20 minutes St. Johnston were... were I wouldn't say more than a match, but they had chances. Well, they weren't getting tight enough to tackle. Tommy Wright said they don't think he made a tackle till Steve Anderson came on. Mm. That there's this wasn't enough at them, and if you don't turn up against a team like Celtic, if they are playing well, it it's symbiotic. You know, it, it feeds the Celtic beast. Yeah, the, the, it's 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 really bad reading for St Johnston. You know, conceding five against Rangers a couple of weeks ago and now six. How does St Johnston really turn this around? Is it a different way that they're playing? What, what, what Tommy Wright was saying after the game, and it was sort of laying down the gauntlet a bit to his, his own players, that 
he's got a much younger squad this season, a squad that, that generally you would see is having more flair in it, more attacking, more attacking players in it. But he said, you know, that it's up to them that if they're going to play like that, then he will change things and he'll tell them, you know, put ten men behind the ball and they're much better than Hamilton, Dundee, St Mirren. So they're not, they're not going to be in danger of going down, but they're just kind of left in this bit of a no man's land. But it is it's very unlike St Johnson and under Tommy Wright to to have two really big thrashings like that there's almost one, back to back there's one more thing to mention in this game why weren't Celtic wearing their home kit why did they have to wear the away one I, I, think, I think Celtic to probably like to yeah exactly I think Celtic like to play their away kit so that they can show it off as much as they possibly can yeah I get it it shouldn't be allowed they will always play in their hoops at home though you don't have to worry JJ I know but the colours are nice like it's good strong colours you should never have to wear these away kits <laughs> This is the one like old thing that I'll stick to is but, that you shouldn't but, have that. But I, I do like that this season Celtic all three kits are just a different shades of green. Really. Yeah, and they played the last game of Johnson in the other kit. That's because it was night time. It was night time. Oh, so, so have to have lights so on it. it. was more. It's more of a fluorescent green, isn't it? Oh yeah. Motherwell won. Livingston won. Keegan Jacobs with a superb free kick as Livingston came from behind at Fur Park. Livy are unbeaten in seven league games and have not lost since the opening day of the season. As for Motherwell, they've won just once in eight games this season and they sit 10th in the table. But we're delighted now to be joined by Mr Motherwell himself, uh, the reserve team manager of the Steelmen and it's BT Sport pundit Stephen Cragen. Try and cheer up Motherwell fans for us, Stephen. It can't be that bad at the moment. few positives from the weekend? Well, there's always positives, I think. You know, possibly the best way to cheer them up you know, is, is by saying I won't be making a comeback. So that'll put a smile on your faces for sure. But um, listen, football's that type that when you're when you're under the cosh and you're not winning games, everybody gets frustrated. You know, everyone's looking to blame someone or point the finger. And you know, you go through spells. You know, where you just have to stick together. You have to somehow dig a result out. I think going ahead of the weekend was was important. Um, you know, I think the key aspect would have been to try and maintain the lead as long as you possibly could. But listen, you know, Keegan Jacobs scored a wonderful free kick, mm. which was a little bit unfortunate. Then we struggled to really get back in the game. Colin McHugh got sent off later on. So mm. I think in the end, the most important bit was just to stop the rut, you know, stop the run off, off the feet. Yes, they would like to have won at home against Livingston, but it's amazing how winning some games, picking up points, affects the team. And Livingston looked a strong, composed outfit who knew what they were trying to do, mm. um, you know, within the game. The structure was good. So as the season progresses, it may look upon something as a good point you know hopefully it starts a good run of form How impressed were you with Livingston? Well they're full of energy you know you can see they're a side who feel good about themselves you know they've got they've got energy in midfield with Sean Byrne Scott Pittman in midfield um, you know they're aggressive at the back you know they don't you know let you settle Craig Halkett has done well as a centre half Declan Gallagher Alan Lithgow you know they play with three centre halves they probably changed their four in the second half but they've got energy all over the team and sometimes that energy and, and belief comes from winning games you, know, you consider they won League One uh, you know, they come up through the Scottish Championship, through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So over the past couple of seasons, this team hasn't really changed an awful lot. They're just a group of players who are used to winning football games. And even when you step up the level, you can continue that. That's exactly what they've done. You know, they've, they've continued to win games, they've continued their form, and it just snowballs. You know, even though the manager's changed a couple of times, Guy, uh, Guy Holt's man in charge, the philosophy's still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was almost like Motherwell last year. Uh, they had a system that worked. They had a, a set of players who knew what they were doing. I think the manager tried to tweak it a little bit early part of the season. It hasn't really gone to plan. So 
I think it's back to just you know trying to get what they were like last year, you know, and, and that's what Livingston have done. So you've got um, managerial duties on the agenda. Your reserve side, Motherwell Colts, play Sligo Rovers of Ireland in the last 16 of the Iron Brew Cup on Saturday. Now, if you win, you become the first Colts side ever to reach the quarterfinals, which is pretty cool. How are preparations going? Well, we've just finished the game actually this afternoon. We fled Queen of the South away from home, and we were absolutely rotten in the reserves. So um, if we play like that on Saturday, we, we certainly won't make the quarterfinals. But Listen, you know, I've got a lot of young players who are who are chomping a bit to try and get a game in the first team. You know, I think over the past kind of three and a half seasons that I've been involved, I think we've had something like 12 or 13 debuts. You know, so the aim of Motherwell and our business model at Motherwell is to try and produce our own players, put them into the first team, keep a couple if we can, sell a few if we can. You know, we have to keep resetting as much as we possibly can. The Ambry Cup, you know, gives us a great opportunity to play against senior teams. You know, we played an on-league side up here at East Stirling in the first round. We then managed to draw another court side in Dundee in the second round for us. Uh, we've got through. So the key for us now is, is, is to try and take the young players out of their, their own kind of comfortable environment, take them into something that's a little bit different. Like, you know, senior football within our structure. You know, yes, some players go on loan and they play at other clubs, but we want them to play with us in the senior competition. So it's going to be a huge ask for us. There's no doubt about it. There'll be a good turnout of fans at Fir Park. Sligo were a decent team coming from Ireland. I know their manager, Jared Little. So it's a big test for us, but it's certainly something we're looking forward to. Do you feel like your role is more to develop um, young players and fringe players to get into the Motherwell first team than it is to necessarily win? Obviously, winning is important, but would you place that development as more important in your role just now? Of course it is. There's no doubt about it. You know, When your first team manager's coming and saying, do you have a left back, do you have a right back, do you have a centre forward, then you want to think that that player can step in. I think that's the key bit that, you know, if the, if the manager takes some of your players, which he does during the week and they step in and they can get up to speed with training and they understand what it's all about, then you've done your job. If he comes back to me and says, listen, he hasn't got a clue what he's supposed to be doing, then my job isn't being done properly. So, of course, there's the other element of, of, of trying to get players to win games and cup competitions are good for that. You know, a knockout competition, game has to be finished on the day. There's a different expectation of pressure from the young players because they can play development football, reserve football, much the same. Not an awful lot's changed. People think there's that you know, uh, the wheel's been reinvented because we're going to get reserve football as opposed to development football. I've still got the same squad of players. Nothing really changes for me. So yes, we want them to win, but ultimately we want them to try and be first-team players within our football club. And they won't all be. That's the key message we give to them. They won't all be first-team players, but you have to be different than everybody else to try and be one. So... So say over the past three and a half years we've been successful. Alan Campbell, Chris Cadden, David Turnbull's about to come. We sold Ben Hall for 250 grand. Byron McGuire's ready to go. Jake Casey's ready to go. So there's lots of players in there on the brink. Clubs have a responsibility to develop players. Players have a responsibility to develop themselves and, and be different. Because if you're just one of the boys and goes along and, and, and you know, if you're training in the morning, gym in the afternoon, you go home and you sit in the house and you play PlayStation or you, you, know, you don't eat properly. There's so many facets now to being a professional footballer. I generally think it's much more difficult nowadays than what it was back even when I was playing. You know, clubs ran with, with bigger squads, more numbers. There's limited spaces. You know, budgets aren't the same. Money's not the same. So young players have to take a little bit of responsibility. Of course, the coaching has to be right. The structure has to be right. And the information has to be right for them. And if you marry that all together, the cream always rises to the top. The better ones come to the top. The ones who spend all the time in the reserve team, there's something missing somewhere. Either the manager in the first team doesn't think they're good enough or the young players aren't doing enough themselves to push themselves. Just want to ask you a final question about yourself and your development. Are you going to go into, you know, full-time management elsewhere or you going to take a top job in Scotland or...? <laughs> top job. To be fair, <laughs> I have no ambition of that at the minute. 
I really don't. It, it, it's something since I retired playing. I haven't really had an ambition for. I enjoy working with young players. They frustrate the life out of me sometimes. <laughs> um, but full-time managing and moving forward isn't something I've generally thought about. I, I've, I've dipped my toe into the water a couple of times with Motherwell to help out over the past kind of eight, nine years. But as I say, at this moment in time, um, I'm, I'm content with them doing work with young players. I love my job at BT Sport. Great team to work for. Things moving forward. Making big strides in that we are as a group. So management material, absolutely not. <laughs> we don't want to lose you from the TV either. You got to stay. Exactly. Well, please pass that on. Let's look around the grounds now. It's our man Neil White with the latest from the Championship, League One, and League Two. Another week, another one of the Championship's pre-season promotion candidates sacks their manager after Falkirk and then the United now Partick Thistle decide to make an early season change following a 2-0 defeat by Ross County. That put newly relegated Partick down to eighth but they're still only two points behind Dunfermline and Dundee United in fourth. However, that was enough for the board at Firhill, who ended Alan Archibald's long association with the club. Archibald rejoined Thistle as a player in 2007, and he was three months short of five years as manager, making him the second longest serving in Scotland behind... That's right, Jim McAnally of Peterhead. Well done. Dundee United are speaking to Robbie Nielsen about their vacancy after caretaker Laurie Ellis took them to Air United and lost 2-0 to the surprise leaders of the championship. Nielsen played briefly for United before managing Hearts to the title in this division, but that deal is not done yet. Ayr's Lawrence Shanklin scored in that win. He goes to 18 for the season and the £150,000 bid Ayr rejected for their race in the summer could turn out to be the best bit of business in Scotland. However, if Shanklin is on fire, then friend of the pod Stephen Dobby continued his towering inferno of a season with hat-trick number four turning around a 3-0 deficit and saving a point at home to Alloa. 24-15 for Queen of the South's Dobby, but you have to feel for Alloa, whose first win of the season was in sight. They also hit the post at 3-3 late on, and their manager Jim Goodwin, after the match, said, Dobby is far too good for this division. Hard to argue. League One, game of the day was Wraith Rovers v Arbroath, second v first, both unbeaten. No change after a 1-1 draw. But behind them, East Fife won 4-0 at Forfurt to close the gap. Worth noting because, after starting with one point in the first four matches, Darren Young's team have now won their last five and are one point behind Wraith. And goals don't carry much more weight than Mark McGuigan's injury time winner, the Stennis Muir against Montrose. In one fell swoop, Stenny went from bottom to seventh and their opponents fell to the foot of League One. In League Two, Edinburgh City stretched their winning streak to seven and remained two clear at the top after a 3-0 win over Berwick in which a double for Blair Henderson made it 9-9 in the league for him. Robbie Horn left his post as Berwick manager after that game, which was Berwick's seventh defeat in eight, and left them in eight. Yep, as Neil just mentioned, it's another week and another managerial dismissal in the Championship. After relegation from the Premiership last season, Partick Thistle are currently 8th in the Championship and defeat at home to Ross County on Saturday saw Alan Archibald relieved of his duties. Matt Greer, a.k.a. You See The Cat on Twitter, joins us now. Matt, it's clear that Thistle fans are pretty cut up about this. How are you feeling at the moment? Pretty much the same. It's a hard one. He's obviously a club legend over 700 games as a player and a manager but the way it's been going the last sort of 12 18 months I think the board had to act it's the right decision I think anybody else would have lost their job in the summer after the relegation the board have been good to him showing a bit of loyalty giving him the chance to turn it around and unfortunately it's not happened for him 
Does it feel a little bit like um, like your dad's been fired? <laughs> a bit. Yeah, I've been at the club for pretty much all my life, apart from a couple of years where I left. But it'd be strange without him as a player or a manager going to a game on a Saturday. Five years he's been in charge of Partick Thistle, which is it's a good stint. You know, sum up those five years. What's it been like? Uh, well, for the first four and a half years were great. He obviously took over halfway through our promotion season, overtook Morton in the league, caused the promotion. That was great. First season, good memories of the game at Tynecastle. End of the season where he kept us up, and then five top flight seasons. That's by far the longest I've had in my life as a Thistle fan. Unfortunately, last season didn't go to plan. It looked like we'd kick on from top six. We had a good squad last season. We had a lot of injuries. You could use that as an excuse to appoint some players down tools towards the end of the season. You could use that as an excuse. This season, it's just a shame it's not worked out, but he'll go and he'll be fondly remembered by all the fans as a club legend. You've said on Twitter that you'd like to see the former Hearts manager, Robbie Nielsen, get the job, but it looks like he might be headed to Dundee United. Are there any other names in the frame you'd like to see? All the sort of unemployed Scottish managers now, none of them really inspire me or many other of the fans. You look at Jim McIntyre as a sort of safe pair of hands. Jim Duffy maybe, but then like the likes of John Hughes, Alan Stubbs, Mark McGee, work. none of them really would put any confidence in me or quite a lot of fans I speak to. I think maybe if, if we don't get Nielsen, I think we should maybe look to go a bit left field. Look at St Mirren, they've just appointed uh, Kearney from the Irish League. Maybe somewhere like that, look for a new manager. What is the hope now? Do you think you can rescue it and push for the, the top? It looks kind of quite I far away. Automatic promotion is probably a bit beyond us. Top four, I think, still realistic. There's, obviously, it's quite a tight league. Air have started really well. They've got Shankland. If they can hang on to him, you've got to think they'll come top four or thereabouts. County looked pretty good on Saturday. I think they'll be right up there. But apart from that, I don't think the league's that high a quality. We've just not started very well at all. So it's not a massive rebuild he needs, or the new manager needs. But I think top four is still a reasonable objective. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Last week, we gave you the chance to win two tickets to the screening of Kaiser at the View in Glasgow Fort on the 11th of October. JJ, who was Kaiser? Kaiser was a lad. That's who he was. <laughs> um, there was a book that came out very recently that turned it into a film. But Kaiser was this Brazilian um, man who befriended lots of very famous footballers. Wasn't friends with Mario, but managed to appear in lots of photos with him. Used these kind of photos as evidence to both woo women and to get himself jobs at clubs. He never kicked a ball. <laughs> so he would go to to um, signing on things you know the, the crowd would come to watch him and he would hoof the ball into the crowd so there was none for him to do kick-ups with so kick-ups are called keep-ups I don't know kick-ups yeah there you go that's what he did but you never know when the stories you're tell- he's telling are true it's fantastic if you can get a hold of the book or watch the movie honestly it's absolutely great um, so for your chance to win all you had to do was to find the Totally Scottish Football Show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review a nice one was preferred and the winner selected at random is Texas, Texas Pedro. Pedro. That was weird. Uh, oh, I hope that is his real name. Uh, I know. I, I, I think it's class. Yeah. But let's hope it, it might be Pedro Cascini. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be Tex Mex Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in the Premiership, Aberdeen 4, St Mirren 1. Another goal fest this time at Pataudry. Aberdeen had only scored five goals in seven Premiership games before Saturday, but they managed four in 90 minutes against St Mirren. 4-1 was the final score. Sam Cosgrove, much maligned by JJ, scored twice for the Dons. Second one, a bit of a gift from the keeper. Sure was, but he still put it in the goal. 
And the first goal was a header that he stoops down. This guy is about six foot two or something standing up, but when he jumps, he's about four foot. Doesn't he never wins a header. I, I kind of didn't feel like he meant it, really. I think the finish the first one did. Honestly, he's massive and he's strong, but he doesn't win headers. This is the first time I've seen him take a shot. I think some stats that show just how uh, how far St. Mern sank this weekend. Please wow. tell me, yeah. Oh, no. Sam Cosgrove scored over two goals. Yeah, had only scored one career goal before the weekend. That's true. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I read he's that. tripled his career tally. I've seen a lot of absolutely piss strikers at Aberdeen, and um, I don't think he's as bad as the likes of Leon Mike or whatever. But um, Derek McInnes clearly sees something in him. He's used more as a link player, like Olivier Giroud is a lot of the time at Chelsea or something like that. You know? mm-hmm. But um, so his job is to link the play. But he never ever seems to be in the right place to shoot or score, apart from against Saint Mirren. But Saint Mirren again were very, 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 very bad. Of course, we had to play a different defensive lineup because Scott McKenna got banned for trying to clear the ball against Celtic. Sure enough, I can see why it would be a red card at the time. The referee said, no, 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 it's fine, play on, whatever. However, our friends in the SFA have deemed that this is a two-game punishment. Uh, it's good, that. Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember when Alan McGregor kicked Christopher Ayer? Do you remember that? Yep. yep. Right? That's not a banning. That's fine. Do you remember when Naismith went and did a little kick on a old Johnny, Johnny Hayes. Hayes? That wasn't a banning. Do you remember Ron Morelos? He got kicked. Off. Do you remember he kicked him and he was sent off? That's not a ban either. How is that fair? It's a bit embarrassing. I, I, I'm going to agree with you, JJ. It do is embarrassing. You, do you think they just wanted McKenna to get a bit of a rest before the Scotland games? <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus I mean, it wasn't as if he was going to actually have to do anything against St. Mern anyway. How are they doing it though? Because the referee's seen it. So I, I've heard from a re- official, a referee person. <laughs> they are people. He, uh, he not says really call him. He's, he's, law- he's not a person. No. <laughs> he says uh, that by the law that should probably be a red card because it was out of control. I can see it because McKenna's trying to clear the ball, right? He does get it and he follows through, but he has to do like a scissor motion to make sure he doesn't two foot Edward <laughs> in the chest, which is illegal both on the football pitch and in the world. However, unless you're Nigel de Jong. Unless you're Nigel de Jong yep. or a Rangers player or a Hearts player or a Celtic <laughs> player. So I don't like. Are you accusing the SFA of some sort of bias no. against. I, I don't want to believe there's a bias. I don't have a, my tinfoil hat. I left at home, okay? <laughs> it's not here. I can't find it anywhere. But there has to be consistency. If that is violent conduct, right? I can understand why it would be if the referee sent him off at the time. I can get it and the ban would be upheld. That's okay. You cannot ban Scott McKenna for two games and have Devlin suspended for two games, have Morelos rescinded so he goes and scores five goals in those games he should have been banned for. Naismith gets nothing. What is this? <laughs> oh, gee, It's gee. not fair. Do you know what's not... <laughs> Kieran just points his hand at me, like, yep. stop. stop. Do you know what's not fair? What? Life is a St. Mirren fan. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, and Kearney hasn't managed to fix them. I thought they did so well against Celtic. Obviously, that final 10 minutes when um, they were defending for their lives was uh, probably the start of where they've picked up the rest of the games and they just can't seem to get into the match. Dundee won, Kilmarnock 2, Dundee returning to losing ways. You know, so sad about it. I know, because I kind of thought that, you know, Dundee winning last week, it could have been the turning point, but it wasn't. I think the penalty kind of... Cheated, took, cheated took the according s- to Neil McCann. Yeah, well, he was cheated. He was cheated. Jordan Jones definitely dived, but I put more blame, again, on the referee. Yeah, I, I think I would too. So it's Cammy Kerr who goes in for a challenge. Jordan Jones running behind him, and Kerr comes across, and he looks like he's going to go for a tackle. He doesn't really. He's about maybe a yard away, mm-hmm. and Jones falls to the floor. And then what Jones does is interesting. 
He goes to the floor, sort of looks up with his hands in the in the air almost as he's on the floor, and then quickly puts his head down into the turf because it looks like he's going. Uh, I wonder if I can hide from whatever yeah, I've exactly. just done here. Exactly, exactly. I think Jones knew he could have stayed in his feet. But at the end of the day, Neil McCann was quite right to come out of the end and say that there's no way the referee was 100% certain that that decision should have been made. These decisions that referees make affect jobs. Neil McCann could lose his job because he's lost that game. The referee's directly affecting it by getting something seriously wrong that you can see it's hard to do it in real time and they need support. But it's so important because that affects his entire life. It could affect his whole career of going course. forward. And, and if we talk about the incident, you know, bit by bit, the referee didn't... I don't believe he had a clear view of the foul. As much as he's actually in the right position, there's... I, I can't I, I can't remember the players, but the Dundee, there's a Dundee player and a Kilmarnock player obstructing the view mm. of the actual coming together, which there was none. I think we missed the real story here as well. Did you see what happened for Kamarok's second penalty, which they did not score? Well, yes, yeah. and Greg Stewart... There was that a massive, that, yeah. massive fight between three players. Yeah, it was. To, to, One of the boys short, kicked the ball sh- away from the spot. <laughs> and uh, John Jones was Have involved Have you in ever that. seen the penalty <laughs> scored after people... Argue about it. Well, it, it seems uh, it, to be it, like... didn't, it didn't work for Mares. No, <laughs> <I'd> exactly. <say. laughs> no, that's a good question, actually. Um, the weird thing with this game, right? So Dundee again, it's their same four-four-two diamond shape. So it's a four-one-two-one-two. The width from the fullback, especially uh, Calvin Miller on the left, and they look good and they controlled a lot of the ball in in Killy's half. Um, had good possession. They were creating chances. But, but they took the lead. That's Dundee. Like the, I mean, there's been some games that have actually been completely hopeless. But largely, they're okay between both boxes and terrible in both boxes, mm-hmm. which is ultimately what will probably send them down. Kelly, good. We've discussed this a million times. Their shape's good. They are very hard to beat. And now they have some pace and cunning and guile up front. Any thoughts on Chris Boyd's bizarre uh, BBC interview? What, when he said people not- call him fat? That one? Well, there just to be an awful lot of stuff. Uh, I think he, he kind of has to make a decision over is he still... Professional footballer Chris Boyd, or is he it's mad pundit? I've not, seen this. I've not so seen this. He's talking to Tom English at BBC mm-hmm. and uh, saying how he knew there was a split in the Celtic dressing room, but he couldn't say how he knew. Like tap tap tap, but uh, and he wouldn't reveal why. And he says, "I just I'm not stupid, you know. I know." And then he was talking about how he doesn't want to retire, how fans like him off being fat, and he talked about some important stuff. He's talking about mental health issues and how he's trying to set up a. I think it's a charity, I think. It's something to raise awareness, especially with footballers, young ones who don't make it because they come through a young age, you know, seven, get to about 17, they get pinged out the club and they don't have a clue and a lot of them are... I mean, this is one of the things Scotland, I hope, is getting better at because I know in Europe, like, say at La Masia, the Barcelona's one, they have to do class and they they don't pass their lessons, they're not allowed to play football. Mm -hmm. But it's difficult, it's a difficult position because he's slagging off folk then he's playing against them the next week. Yeah, and says uh, I wouldn't want to go and play against people I talk about in this. Well, I don't. If you're Chris Boyd, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's he's, a, he's achieved quite a lot in the game, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's something like over six hundred appearances and over three hundred goals. And I think the, the thought he said about he's Scottish Premiership. Well, it's probably true goal. because he, he definitely struck a nerve with uh, Rogers, who responded by saying that Chris Boyd should spend more time trying to get back into the Kamarnock team. Yeah, that's zing. <laughs> Speaking, Speaking of, of fat, <laughs> Lee Griffiths has built out yeah, of the Scotland squad because apparently he wants to focus on his fitness and maybe he's taking Chris Sutton's comments to heart. Chris Sutton said that Lee Griffiths looks overweight. It's certainly something that Rogers has repeatedly called him out about over his, his period 
in charge and he's mm. never really apart from times when other people have been injured there's time last season Dembele was injured and, and Griffiths was, was first choice he's never really been first choice striker under Rodgers because he, he doesn't think he's a 24 hour athlete as Ronnie Dyla no, famously he doesn't strike me as a man of, of huge ambition he seems quite happy you know playing for Celtic not starting every week he's getting paid he's got a new contract oh, yeah, there. a new contract yeah he's a very talented player I mean those two free kicks against England were yep. so cool when yep. that happened um, and I don't think we've got really many better strikers. It's a I shame. Mean, it's that a sh- shows how poor we are at the moment. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it wasn't just England. The I mean, that was obviously the highlight. But towards the end of Strachan's time, when Scotland really pushed quite close to getting a playoff place, Griffiths was completely the talisman mm-hmm. of that team. He scored in Slovenia, which seemed to be the goal that was going to get us a playoff place. And at that point, he was playing really well for Celtic as well. He did really well in the Champions League qualifiers. I remember a game against Astana, Celtic won five 0 where he like set up four goals, and everyone's like, "All right, this is you know the Griffiths that Rogers wanted, the all round player." Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just sort of uh, falling away it's again. A, it's, it's a shame for Scotland because I think Griffiths he's a bit of a toe rag, isn't he? And you yeah, need oh, you yeah, need definitely. a you need a toe rag in your team. Aye. You know, someone playing who's going to be pressuring and try to sting other players. Yeah, I think it's a shame. It's disappointing, but he's. I think right then and there, he is obviously admitting that he'd rather play for Celtic than Scotland. I wonder whether he does actually need to get, whether he realises, because he knows he's lost his place in the team. Yeah. To Nays- well, Naismith got the start last time, so I wonder if that's, maybe he's wisened up. Is but, it, is but it's it, also, I mean, maybe he does now think the earth is flat and he has to spend more time trying to <laughs> look into it. Okay, thank you for listening. We'll see you again soon. JJ, you'll have a song for us next week. I've written one about Lee Griffiths. I'll see if I can put it together. <laughs> fatty, fatty, boom, boom. <laughs> You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Yeah.